Hi, this is Kara Kading, and as part of the Milliger family, I'd love to introduce you to our new podcast. Everything we do here at Milliger's is done to enhance the lifestyle of our customers. Our products and services add beauty and enjoyment and just make life a little more rewarding. We are first and foremost growers, and one of the things we do best is to open a world of beauty to people through plants. And plants enrich our lives in so many ways, from cleaning our air to making everyone feel better. And everything else that we do or sell gradually evolved from our wanting people to feel better and enjoy life. Okay, I'm here with the Tomato King, otherwise known as Mr. T or Kevin Milliger. And this is a perfect time of year for us to be covering this topic. And I thought of it because this is probably one of my number one questions when I'm out there on the annual lot or helping to put away the vegetables, the tomatoes that we have. I mean, it's a wonderful selection, but where do you begin? I mean, what a lot of people just ask me, what tomato should I buy here? There's how many different kinds do we have? Do you know? Well, our regular list of ones that we'll have throughout the season is over 80 kinds. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, it gets really overwhelming when you walk, especially a brand new customer. During our Vintage Veggie Fest, which is starting, well, it started on the 18th year of May, but it's ongoing. Another 35 or so varieties. But in the tomato world, there are many thousands of kinds. And so some are meant for southern growers, western growers, other parts of the country and world. So, of course, we've sorted through those and we've tried to find ones that are suited to our climate. So that's our starting point. So we've done that much and we've eliminated many varieties that aren't suitable for our climate. I always tell people, well, every variety out here is someone's favorite. So everyone's got different taste buds and different priorities and different you know yeah his, i suppose it's kind of like saying what's your favorite ice cream i yeah. mean everyone's got a, a different one yeah exactly so i think the first thing you do is start out with which which kind do you want do you want a, a beef stick do you want a cherry do you want a paste tomato and so on most people like a variety because they're They've got more than one need. You want some for sandwich, some for salads, some for canning, perhaps. So you go through your priorities and you make your list. So let's say you choose a beefsteak tomato. If you're only going to have one, I would say choose a variety that's tried and true, like Wisconsin 55. And it's Wisconsin 55. I mean, that one, like you said, is tried and true. It's been here for so long. Is it still good? It's still good. And there's an interesting story about that. It was developed in 1948. It was released in 1948. And it's been popular ever since. But they say that hybrid tomatoes can deteriorate in time, even though they're handled by professionals in terms of producing the seed. A storage of seeds at the University of Wisconsin, where it was developed. And some of the seed companies went back to the original source and started over again with the variety. So the ones we're selling right now are guaranteed to be, guaranteed to be authentically Original. The actual originals. Yeah, yeah, so even though it's been that many years, it's a whole new strain of, of them that we're back to now. So that's great. That's one of the better ones, I think, for our area. But there are certainly many others that, that would work. I, I like, I guess, Burpee Big Boy or Better Boy is another good one. And then if you want to try some of the heirloom ones, there are true heirlooms such as Brandywine. But then there are what's called a modern heirloom. Now, that sounds like a contradiction. But what they do is they take two heirloom varieties and then cross them and then you get a new variety, wow. and so it's heirloom parents, and then the the new so-called new hybrid variety is pretty much well, it is 100% like an heirloom. It's just a, a new heirloom, 
And so there's many hybridizers working in that realm these days. So there are new ones coming out all the time. And you can usually tell because they're trying to trademark their names with like this one called Wild Boar Farms in California. They've got their certain names they use with their strains that they're growing and developing. So are you doing this at all? I mean, Uh, I feel like we should get a Milliger tomato. I have done some, but, you know, I'm not rigid enough in my... uh, Oh, man, we need a Mr. T tomato. Yeah, well, I'm trying to get Dave interested in to do it. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's where we're at. So you, you choose those varieties and accordingly. So if you want a beefsteak, you know, take some of the tried and true ones, I would say. And if you're going to do several beefsteak, well, then you can branch out into other varieties that are look interesting or you just feel like trying. Beyond that, you know, the pink varieties, the ones that have the word pink or rose or something to indicate that they're pink in the name, those are generally sweeter. So keep that in mind if you like a sweeter tomato. Okay, I like that pink brandy wine I was just talking about. That one's a little bit sweeter. Pink brandy wine, pink chef's choice. Pink is another one that I like a lot. Okay. That's not quite as big because those those great big ones take a longer time to develop. So that some people want a fruit earlier than that. So that's the probably main category. The next most popular is cherry or grape. Oh, they're so fun because, I mean, you can just walk out in the garden and you can eat you know, a dozen of them or throw them in a salad really quick. And those are amazing. Yes, they're, they're, they're fun to grow. The, uh, the cherry tomatoes is a true round or very nearly round. And then there's the grape, which is about the same uh, amount of tomato, but in an elongated shape. So it's, you know, shaped like a grape. Those tend to have little thicker skin, so they're less prone to cracking. That's a feature that's what I was wondering if there's a benefit to that or the pear shaped ones. Is that also beneficial, that shape, as opposed to the round? Uh, the pear ones are kind of like the cherries in terms of cracking. They're, okay. they're, they're fairly crack-prone, unfortunately. But it's the novelty shape is kind of nice, you know, and uh, kids like that, and it looks right. good in a salad and so forth. But I think that if you're worried about cracking, you get the grape type instead of the cherry. And if you want the ultra-sweet ones, those would be the yellow ones, or slash orange. Sometimes they, they change color over the season. But those are higher sugar content. But the cherries themselves, the red cherries, are also very high in sugar content compared to regular beefsteak tomatoes. Mm -hmm. That's why kids like them, right? They just and they're higher in vitamin C too. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Then there's also the category of novelty. Novelty (coughs) Novelty and the fact that they've got a unique coloration or shape or it's yeah some some of each. There are the so-called black tomatoes, which are. Not truly black, of course, but they're they're very dark, and those have a certain flavor that is distinctive, and a lot of people like those. Then there's the ones that are green, and the ones that are marbled with more than one color in them. Those are very appealing. There's one my favorite is one called Ananas Noir, which means pineapple rainbow is the name oh, for wow. it. And it's it's a beautiful tomato. It tastes great. It's heavy producing. It's disease resistant. It's got all the good things. And pineapple rainbow. Uh, yeah. Well, we call it we call it Ananas Noir. That's the original Belgian name. It's a. It's That's a so mar- much harder to remember. It sounds more exotic, though. <laughs> True. But that's that's a variety that was a, an accidental hybrid that was developed about 20 years ago in Belgium. And I've told so many people about that tomato, and I've never had anyone come back the next year and, and say, say you lied to that me. was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they all love it. Everyone loves that tomato. So, but it is a, it is big and it is late. That's I guess if there's one fault, it would be that it's, wait it's on it. the late side. Yeah. But like all good things, you know. It's worth the wait. Well, it yeah. sounds like it is for sure, especially with the uniqueness of it. Yeah, it's flavorful, tasty, beautiful. It's got everything. So then there's also the paste tomatoes. And those are the ones that are much more of dense flesh, less juice, less seeds usually. Mm-hmm. 
and varying sizes. Some are quite small, and there aren't, there aren't any really huge ones, but there are some that are pretty good size, like Super Sauce is a pretty good size one. It's about the size of your fist. Wow. Super Sauce sounds like it's going to be a, you know... Pretty pretty healthy. Yeah, that's a mo- that's a modern hybrid. And uh, is that a good one? Yeah, like I like it? it. I think it's flavorful. I think that in general, the paste tomatoes are really cultivated more for their texture and the thickness, the density. That's the main feature. Because frankly, I don't think that they taste all that good compared to regular tomatoes. But you know, when you're making paste, you add other herbs and spices. Uh, to get the flavor you want. You look at a jar of marinara sauce in the store, and it's got all kinds of things in it. Right. Um, not not to mention the you know the chemicals that they sometimes use, but but the list of herbs and spices is, is, is extensive. So that's where the flavor is coming from. And tomato is the carrier for that. That's how I see it. So the tomato, the paste tomato is like more for the... The substance, the, you know, kind of the depth of the sauce. Yeah, that's my that's my opinion, yes. Right. Yeah. Is San Marzano, is that a paste? That's a paste tomato, yeah. I know a lot of people come back and ask for that one. It's it's very confusing. If you did some research on that, you would see that there are many kinds of San Marzano tomatoes. And it's a protected thing. It's like Vidalia onions over here that only grow in one part of Georgia. And if you're growing them up here, you can't call them Vidalia onions. And you can only call them Vidalia if they're grown in a certain district in southeast Georgia. So San Marzano is the same way. And it's protected. There's all kinds of lawsuits going on over there about wow. it. And so it's a big deal. And they uh, and they're, they love to use that name on their big uh, cans of large paste tomato for restaurants. Right. The other thing that a lot of customers are interested in is earliness. And, uh, you know, we're all anxious, of course. So you get out there and uh, you plant your tomatoes, let's say June 1st or thereabouts. You're ready to go and you can't wait. And you look at the label and you got to wait six or eight weeks. Right. You know. <laughs> it seems, you know, it's a... It's a promise of things to come. And so that would be the minimum, roughly six weeks from planting date. But planting date, I mean, when they're buying them from us, they've got at least a little bit of a leg up because we've been growing them for a couple of weeks, right? Yes, they're, they're you know, four to six inches tall usually. Uh-huh. And there are some larger sizes available as well. So they, they've got a good head start. But then if we, you know, if we get a little bit of cool weather in there, that... Holds them back a little bit. Holds them back, exactly. So that's that's why I like to wait because if you plant it earlier and it doesn't freeze and it doesn't freeze, let's say for all of May, but it's cold, you know, cool, you're not ahead any because even though the thing's alive, it's just not growing at all. Right. If the ground is cold, like they're not. Yeah, you're not going to be any ahead unless maybe one year out of 10 you would be, but you know, that's just, it's just the odds are against you. So do you have a recommendation for someone who wants to make sure that they get the tomato that they want that doesn't sell out or something? They want to bring it home. Is there a great way to take care of it to kind of like before it actually goes in the ground? What's a safe window? When's a good time to put them actually in the ground? Let's say if you came in at Mother's Day, I mean, normally we would say that you, you would plant outdoors at the end of May. But let's say you came in Mother's Day and you got inspired and you decided to buy some anyway. So that's, say, three weeks early. Then I would take them home and they come in a three-inch pot. I would transplant that to a six-inch pot. I assume you've got some pots lying around like we all do. And then I would put it in a wagon or some kind of a something like that, put a few plants in there, and take them in and out depending on the weather. A little buggy. (laughs) Yeah, a tomato cart. And so... If it gets below 50, you want them indoors. Or if it gets excessively windy, you want them indoors. And then if it's, you know, if it's mild and sunny, they would be outside and they can stay out there until the weather turns, you know, iffy. So that, that's what I would do if you do want to start yeah. that early. And then you can feel like you're planting and you can be safe. 
Right, because nothing's worse than planting them and being all excited and then having a hard freeze come through where, I mean, you lose everything and you have to start over anyway. Right, and the other thing to think about is the tomato height, the height of the plant. Now, there are two primary categories, determinate and indeterminate. And determinate is also called the bush tomato, and then indeterminate is called the vine tomato. And so the bush tomato, it gets various heights. It can be anything from an eight-inch tall variety in the, the micro minis up to maybe 30 inches or so. And they tend to all ripen the, the fruit more or less at once over a relatively short period of time, and then the plant's done. And then indeterminate is one that keeps on producing all season long. And until the early 1900s, there was only indeterminate tomatoes. Then all of a sudden, someone found one that was determinate, and they didn't know what it was because it stopped growing at a certain height and produced all at once. So, But the farmers like that because they're mechanically harvesting, and then they don't have to keep harvesting right. through the, you know, every other day. They can just harvest all at once. So that was great for them. The typical homeowner wants you know, continued production. Right, so right. then then we have what's called semi-determinate or semi-indeterminate either way, which is, means it's it's a shorter plant, but it keeps on producing. That sounds like a dream come true. So yeah, there are some like that. And then there's also short indeterminates. Like Wisconsin 55 is a relatively short grower. It's maybe four feet tall, four and a half, something like that. And so that's much more manageable than some of the ones that get seven or eight feet. Because it's seven or eight feet with big tomatoes up on top, it gets top heavy in a hurry. And that's undesirable for a lot of situations. So if you, if you don't have the support, you are in a little bit of a trouble. It's great to be able to have kind of a, a variety of different kinds of tomatoes where like we really enjoy having bigger tomatoes actually out in our garden, but then having some of these shorter, more compact container friendly ones closer to the house. So if we are making a salad or grilling out or whatever it may be, it's super easy just to have it right there on the porch and harvest what you need right then and there and you know keep going. Yeah, just over the weekend, I was talking with a customer who grew some tomatoes last year for the first time, but they had chosen indeterminate ones in containers, and they got to be way too big. Oh, and yeah, I'm sure. And, so, and they weren't used to handling this. And so she said, well, I'm going to grow shorter varieties. So we, we talked about what the uh, options were for that. And I said, look for determinant or short indeterminate if you can find that. She wasn't from around here. so. But anyway, there's quite a few short varieties available. And that would be something like a common one is Celebrity. That's a real popular one. Juliet, that's a large grape tomato. It's about thumb-sized. Fourth of July is another one. Right, that's a great one because, I mean, it's generally earlier too, right? Yes, Fourth of July is an early one. That's exciting. And that's a smaller, a smaller, it's, it's not call, bigger than a cherry, but. We call it a saladette, or it's one of those Campari ones you see in the grocery store, which is a brand name. It's not a, not a true variety name, but it's a, it's a branding mechanism, but it's golf ball sized. And so it's too big to eat whole. You'd have to cut it into quarters or halves, but that's, that's a nice size. I like that all winter long. Yeah. Yeah, to me, I like to use the, when I have to buy tomatoes in the winter in the store, I always buy the Campari type if I can get them. To me, they're the best, flavor-wise. It's because of their flavor, right? Or the, or the cherries are next. But the big ones, to me, I haven't found one I like it. Just in don't the have enough flavor. And the store-bought ones, no. Yeah, there's such a difference when you, I mean, obviously in the winter, we don't have this luxury. But in the summer, being able to pick from your own garden, because they're vine-ripened, there's so much more flavor and nutrition in them than going, you know, and picking them up anywhere else yeah the important thing to remember is to pick them at the right time we all get impatient and so the fruit is turning color well when should i pick it you can always pick it and have it ripen indoors as well but the thing is if you think about baking or cooking something in your kitchen and you let's say you pull a, a cake out of the oven 
two minutes too early or two minutes too late. Mm-hmm. Well, that changes the cake entirely. Is there Tomato- anything you should be looking for when you're picking your well, on tomatoes? T- on tomatoes, they're, they're more forgiving than a cake. But still, there is an optimum time. A lot of times the shoulders, the upper rim of the tomato is changing color a little bit. So if you see that happening, you know, then you can tell that it's it's ready. You can also just tug on it gently and see. And, you know, it won't, it won't give easily if it's not ready. Right. But if you pick it and it isn't quite ready, you can ripen it indoors where some, some things you can't do that with. But tomatoes, you can. So that's one way. And I guess you can, there's a trial and error, too. If you pick it and you taste it and it's not right, well, then you know that, you know, it's too early or, too, or too late. You can't put it back on the tree or yeah. on the on the plant. Yeah, but. yeah exactly. <laughs> Are there any tips for success as, you know, okay, we've got it in the ground. We've got the healthy plant going. It's, you know, thinking about June, July, August. Is there any great recommendation as far as how to keep your plant healthy so that it does continue to provide fruit for, for you throughout the season? Some of the diseases that can complicate our growing are inescapable, unfortunately, and that would be early blight is the main one around here. So early blight means that the leaves in the bottom start turning color, mm-hmm. they start withering, and then it gradually works its way up to plant. Now, if the early blight starts later than, by that I mean, let's say sometime in July, let's say, then you can usually get a couple crops out of that plant before, before the, the plant succumbs. So you have to just kind of live with it. You can't, it's, there's no treatment for it once you've got it. Some people try a, a copper fungicide, which is organic, and you can spray that on the leaves, but it's not a sure thing. It's just, it's like taking a vaccine and then hoping that you don't get something or other. Mm-hmm. You can still get it. It's less likely with a vaccine. So some that's why we take them. And the same thing with the copper fungicide. It doesn't mean you're not going to get it, but it's it's less likely. That's one preventative. But late blight, which is much worse, is usually much less common. And that's where the whole plant is pretty much dies overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it turns into a wilty mess. All the leaves are wilted uh, without explanation. Literally overnight, and that's completely gone then. But the thing we come upon the most is the blossom end rot. Mm-hmm. This is where the fruit has a black leathery patch on the bottom end of the fruit, the so-called blossom end as opposed to the stem end. And that is, it's kind of complicated. There's some research been done lately, which is much more telling in terms of explaining why it happens. But they used to say that it was due to calcium deficiency, and that's partly true. But the fact is that you can keep on adding all kinds of calcium and if it's too cold out, the plant does not take up the calcium and it's not, not going to have any benefit. You're not going to have any benefit, right? So that's another reason to plant later because if it's too cold, you're going to get blossom end rot. That being said, even though I plant later, I still get blossom end rot sometimes. And so you, you can't entirely fend that off. But what I do is when the fruit forms and it's still green and small, I look at the bottom of it. And if you see a, a dark spot on the bottom, you know that it's got blossom end rot already. Wow. And so I just pick it off and throw it away because. I want the plant to start new flowers and new fruit in the hopes of bypassing that disease. Right. It's not really a disease, it's a condition. And so look for that. Otherwise, you're you're, you're looking at the fruit and it's, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then it starts to get red and you, and then all of a sudden you look at the bottom and it's rotten. Yuck. So So best to just pluck that ahead of time. And, and have um, it focus on fresh new fruit yeah, options. Yeah, exactly. So that would be my number one recommendation. And anything about like consistency or where you should be watering the plant or when watering or feeding? Well, I always water in the morning. I try to not to get the leaves wet. Now you might say, well, what about rain? Well, we can't control the rain, but we can control our watering. True. So if it rains at night, especially, and gets the leaves wet, that's not a good thing. 
So, but again, we have no control over that. But I wouldn't water at the end of the day. And, and as the plant gets bigger, I always take some of the bottom leaves off too so that there's less splashing up because you can get diseases in the soil and it gets on the plant. And I like the air movement down there. So some of the things that you can do that prevent problems. And feeding them, is there a certain fertilizer that you're a big fan of? There's not really a brand I like. I just look for something that's got 8 to 10% calcium. Because they they love calcium and uh, they love phosphorus too. That's the middle number. So that should be higher, equal to or higher than the the other two numbers. Because in pretty much any fruiting plant, you want phosphorus. Okay. And then just out of curiosity, you know, what do you think really fueled your love for tomatoes specifically? Like how did this passion evolve? Like did grandma and grandpa, some people say that it just started here with their very first greenhouse was filled with tomatoes. Well, I don't know. It was probably, I think, just making tomato sandwiches with my folks as a kid. And it just appealed to me. Of course, back then, everyone was adding a lot of salt. <laughs> Not so much anymore. But that enhances the flavor. But right. to a kid, you know, it, it made it taste that much better. And, it's better and, than a French fry. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just started liking it very early on. And it's gotten, you know, the, I've dug into the subject and grown a lot of different kinds and read a lot about it. It so, just appeals to me. I, I can't, when I, when, <laughs> I, when I meet someone who says they don't like tomatoes, I can hardly believe them. I just, I just can't even imagine what that would be like. But, but you know, to each their own. Right. Everyone's got their, their, their loves and their hates. But I think with this many different offerings of tomatoes, there's got to, you know, if you don't think you like tomatoes, I think it's definitely worth a shot to revisit and try some, even just, even just trying the cherry tomatoes. They're so sweet and small. I mean, they're just irresistible. Yeah. I think it's a great way for those little ones to get kids into gardening too. Right. Because they just seem like kid sized almost and the sweet ones, the, especially the yellow and orange ones, uh, they can't resist those. Right, right. I just love them. Well, I'm so anxious to get the tomatoes in my garden. You definitely want to come out to Milliger's either location. We have a wonderful selection of all sorts of different fruits and vegetables, but the peppers and the tomatoes really shine as far as the vast selectiveness. But like I said, it can be a little overwhelming, but we always have an expert there that can guide you. And hopefully you made a good list of some of your favorites as Kevin talked today. Well, thanks so much for your time and we'll see you out there in the tomatoes. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all the latest information and happenings here at Milligers. You can find out more details about our events on our website at milligers.com. We would love to hear from you. Send us your suggested topics and questions to me at gardengirl at milligers.com. Thanks again for listening and just keep growing.